it's a great thing, and and uh, just pray, pray that God will just minister there. I'm expecting, a, I'm expecting to hear a, a great service today from down there. We're expecting a great service today here. You can be seated. Um, Brother Smith will be here with us in the 11:15 service. Uh, I told him he didn't have to be here at the 10:30 service. So, Amen. Evangelists sometimes need their rest as well, but uh, I told him I'd lift that up to him. But our 11:15 service and our service tonight. Look at your neighbor and say tonight, six o'clock tonight. Amen. We will be in service, and if you could, uh, if you can scrounge somebody up to drag them to church, get them here tonight, especially. Let's go to Luke chapter two today. Luke chapter two. We're continuing here in the month of December talking about Jesus, the reason for the season. Amen. We've been talking the last couple of Wednesdays about the spirit of giving. This this is a time, amen, where uh, the spirit of giving and it uh, seems like there's uh, some some effort of unity and amen, there's a spirit just uh, that gets a hold of us so that we just give gifts and do things and uh, appreciate that. If there's one good thing. Uh, regardless of whether people believe Jesus even came for them or not, is the spirit that happens that gets a hold of even those that maybe don't even understand. Luke chapter 2, we're going to go to verse number 4. We're going to read down to verse number 16. Luke chapter 2, picking up at verse number 4. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth unto Judea, Unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the lineage of David, to be taxed. Somebody smile. Boy, do we understand taxes. To be taxed with Mary, his wife, his espoused wife, being great with child. And it was so that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. She brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. There were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord, amen, the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were sore afraid. They were very afraid. Verse 10, the angel Excuse me, the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Someone say to me. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Verse 15, came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven. The shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass which the Lord hath made known unto us. Last verse, verse 16. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. If you'll scoot back up to verse number 11, I want to draw the thought today. For unto you is born this day a Savior, 
which is Christ the Lord. Amen. Amen. If you could be seated. I want to just talk about this morning about God in a manger. Say it with me. God in a manger. I know this is, this is the time that we're celebrating the birth of Christ, but uh, what I think we really should focus on is understanding who Christ is and knowing the purpose. We know that he came and died for our sins, but it's much more than that. And I want to talk about some of these things today because uh, like we've been emphasizing here the last couple of weeks, emphasizing about the most amazing miracle that uh, human history, I think, could ever record or has ever recorded is, in fact, the story, the incarnation of God. It's the incarnation of God. It's the greatest miracle. We can ask for all kinds of miracles in our lifetime, but the greatest miracle that was given to mankind is the incarnation of God, God being manifest in the flesh. The, the miracle baby we call the miracle baby, the uh, born in, in, a, in a humble stable. Uh, look at your neighbor and say, in a barn somewhere. I have a barn, and I, it, I think about it once in a while. It would hurt my feelings to know that the Lord was just, you know, born there. But it's the humble beginnings, and it's a really a, a good message for us to, to understand about ourselves. Amen. He came in a way that's... Uh, about as humble as you could actually imagine. Uh, we should continue to humble ourselves, no matter what kind of things we have to do, endure in this life, whether there's room or not. Uh, but when Mary <laughs> brought this <coughs> firstborn son, this firstborn child of hers, and laid him in this manger, uh, I think it's important for us to realize that uh, I don't think she at the time I don't think the world at the time because, you know, we read about how things started uh, getting out and the Spirit of the Lord was moving upon those and drawing. But I don't think the perception, the, uh, the understanding of, 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 of this child uh, would not really be known uh, throughout the world, but would, they would soon discover that this was Jehovah God in a manger. I mean, when, you know, I don't, you know, don't want to say, I mean, this is an older class, but, you know, you're walking around pregnant for a while, big-bellied and, you know, miserable and, and uh, you know, all the things. And then, then with the stress and the, and the immaculate conception to deal with and the idea of what, how people might be looking at you and thinking about you, I mean, all that for months. You know, we're, we're reading this and it, goes by quickly, but for months this is, this is transpiring. So I don't think that when uh, this baby was born and laid in a manger that they had any idea, uh, the whole world that didn't really know that this was Jehovah God in a manger. And I, I believe that we can easily see, even through God's creation uh, of mankind in His image, and by comparison, this new creation, get this, this new creation was limited and frail. God's spirit manifesting himself, amen, through immaculate conception, now being born, think about it, frail. How many realize we're, we're pretty frail people? 
Man, we're strong. We're, we're the, and then, boom, some little bug gets us. I mean, it knocks us off our feet. Things in life, and look, when we talk about stress, things in life, we may be strong-minded, strong-willed, but boom, something happens. And the next thing you know, you're questioning. You're wondering. And, 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 and it really hits us. And so I, I think, you know, just the understanding of being frail and being so, so limited, uh, we don't view things that way as, as the Lord coming to understand. Uh, look at your neighbor and say, we are frail. We are frail. But God, Spirit, planned this before creation, did he not? God had everything in mind. I think last week or week before, we talked about uh, St. John chapter 1. In the beginning, God, the, the word logos, the word was. Amen. The word was with God and the word was God. The word was made flesh. Amen. Logos, the thought, the concept, the expression, everything that God was going to put forth in his plan of creation was made for and by the image of what Jesus would be. Fast forward. So he, he creates, built off of that model. Amen. He makes creation, causes creation. So God planned this creation before Jesus Christ, amen, was born as a babe. Now, Jesus was to be born in the fashion of fallen man so that he could what? Redeem man, God's creation, his man, his creation from sin. The whole purpose of Christ is about sin. Before sin existed, God knew God had a plan. Now understand, we don't think about this kind of stuff around Christmas time, but that babe in a manger came for our sins, amen, for a deeper purpose and was made long before lying in a manger. God created long before, and I want to talk about that. We're going to show some scripture here in just a moment. But it was for us. I don't know about you. I, I like to think odd. You know that by now. And I, I had the thought yesterday, well, good Lord. God gave us Christmas before we ever had Christmas. When God created, he'd already gave us a gift before we, we were ever to get it. I mean, come on. You know, we're wrapping gifts and doing things now. I mean, he wrapped that baby a long time ago. And in the manger, we, we, finally, we finally see it, and it, we get to open it. Think about it. The Lord gave us. That's why when we think about, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten. Think about that. That, that lets us know. So long before. Now, I'm saying that because we can understand now why we feel different in this time of year, the spirit of giving. God in the creation was in the spirit of giving before we actually needed it or even wanted it. I just wanted to put that together. Wow, we got Christmas before Christmas. 
So, and I want you to get that. Because God fashioned mankind after his, after the likeness of his planned, yet unborn, only begotten son, Jesus Christ. God fashioned mankind. Amen. We were made in the image of God. All that God would ever project himself to be. Because God is a spirit and is unseen. So we understand from the beginning, amen, about God. Jesus then becomes the pattern for creation of mankind. We, we, we have the luxury of knowing that. I mean, we are, we are blessed to have, amen, that at our fingertips, at our eyesight, at our senses. Now, go with me to Colossians chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 14 through 19, Colossians chapter 1, because we, we've got to tie this together, not just you know, the, the Christmas story about the manger because that's already happened. The Lord's already went to a cross. What's next to happen? He's going to come back. Hello? He's going to come back. If we, believe the, if we believe these steps have already taken place, which whether it's by history or whether it's by understanding and really believing the word of God, if we believe that and know that, then we've got to know that the Lord's soon to come. Soon to come. Colossians 1.14. In whom we have redemption through, somebody say, his blood. His blood, even the forgiveness of sin. Now, what really upset the religious party of Jesus' day was he was forgiving people's sin. And they told him, you don't have that authority. You don't have that right. Only God can forgive sin. It tells us they had no idea who Jesus was. Come on, when we look at that babe in a manger, we have no idea if we just think that is the third person of Trinity. It's not the third person of Trinity. It's God manifest in flesh. Amen. God came to redeem us, and he created the blood sacrifice for us. Notice this. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. Verse 15. Who is the image of the invisible God? Who is it? Jesus, the firstborn of every creature. God, amen, had Christ in mind, amen, in thought, in concept, uh, amen, ready, amen, to put it together. God built the, everything around Jesus Christ from the beginning in creation. It's awesome because he's the image of God, the firstborn of every creature. Before he was born, he was born. In the mind of God. Get this. For by him, not them, not the collaboration, not the party, not, not, not. It's by him were all things created. Think about that. That's why I love to talk about the church now. God so loved, amen. He, he loved the church. He loved the people. Think about it. The church is the most, right now, the church is the most important thing on this planet. 
I don't care what politicians say. I don't care what the elites say. I don't care what those that feel like they're educated say. Amen. The most important thing on this planet right now is the church. Amen. We've not been caught away. Amen. The church has not been raptured away yet. Amen. And that still gives everyone a chance. You talk about a gift. That's a gift. Oh. Lord, come on. The church is a gift. We need to understand who we are today, what we are in Christ. Come on, we're, we're, the, we're the image. You understand? We're the image of the invisible God. We're what people see, what people hear, what people, amen, what's tangible. And so we've got to understand our place. Look at this. So, for by him are all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth. Look at your neighbor and say, ain't nothing left out. Ain't nothing left out. Heaven and earth, nothing left out. Everything, visible and invisible. Now, that, that ought to mess with our brains a little bit. Visible is what we can see. Touch, have, invisible. There's something there. I know it is. Come on, there's miracles Here. Just because we can't see it don't mean it's not there. God is spirit. He's everywhere. He's all things to all people. Doesn't matter what culture. Doesn't matter how far on the other side of the planet. God's there. That's what he said. Look at the word. Invisible. Whether they're thrones, whether they're dominions, principalities, or powers, all Things were created by him and for him. And you don't have to be a scholar to understand that. Thank God that the Apostle Paul, amen, writing to the Colossians, he's letting them know. And, and maybe, maybe they were just worked together very much. And so he's very simple to them. Everything was made by him and for him. There was not anything made for any other reason. Verse 17, and he is before all things, and by him, let me reiterate in case you missed that last part. He says, by him all things consist. The gift of God existed before, amen, it was what we call needed. God had the plan. And everything that was built upon creation, everything from heaven to earth, centered around Christ. The image of the invisible God. It's not rocket science. We confuse it. We mess it up. Verse 18, and he is the head of the body. You know what I like to say here at this church? Two heads are a freak, I've always been told. I said to myself, self? No. <laughs> I mean, it's weird, ain't it? No. He's the head. There's one head. And regardless of what a lot of Christians, so-called Christians believe, there's only going to be one body. Hello. Not all this stuff out here, amen, that's just deceiving people. And I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm just saying that that's the truth. There's one body. As a matter of fact, go to Ephesians chapter 4, you'll find out. There's one Lord, one faith. Huh? What? 
one Lord, one faith, one baptism, <laughs> one God, Father of all, above all. Why is he Father of all? Why? Because he fathered Christ from the beginning before Christ was ever born in a manger, in flesh. Father of all, above all, through all, and in us all. What is the Holy Ghost? The Spirit of God manifest. The Holy Ghost, which is the comforter. God sends that to his people. It should be comforting to know who he is. Should be confusing or stressful or even strifeful. There's no argument without controversy. Great is the mystery of godliness. That's what the apostle said. Without controversy. 1 Timothy 3.16. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. <clears throat> Without controversy. There's no argument. It's settled. Because everything that was made was made by him. All things consist from him. And he's the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning. Oh, get that. The firstborn from the dead. That in all things he might have preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should dwell all the fullness. It pleased God. Amen. That in Christ, Christ would take upon, amen, the nature of our sin. Bear the burden. Redeem us back to God. Back to spirit. Because, listen, your body's not going anywhere, sorry. Except to the morgue and in the ground or in a fire. Whichever way you want to go out. Think about it. What is it that's going to be eternal? Spirit. You ever look in, Bernie, you ever look in the mirror and see your spirit? I mean, because when I look in the mirror, I see, uh-oh. This, this needs some work. But I, you ever look in the mirror and see your soul, your spirit? It's, why? Why? We don't think about it. It's what we would say the invisible. Why? It's the godly part. The flesh we have is just like Jesus. It's just what can be seen. It's the sacrifice. We sacrifice our life to serve God and to be witnesses for him. Real simple. It's not that difficult. And it doesn't mean that we go out here and door knock seven days a week and go out here and chase. No, it means we live our life as witnesses for Christ. For it pleased the Spirit, the Father, that in him should dwell all the fullness. Think about that. It pleased God. Because notice, in just this small amount of scripture. Notice, in whom we have redemption through his blood. In him he is the only redeeming factor, amen, to, for redemption for mankind, and that's through his blood. He, look what, look what it's telling us, he who is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is the image of the invisible God because he was created long before we were created. We're the, he's the pattern. He's the firstborn. And you know, the, the other night I was talking about first fruits. Make the connection. 
Jesus is the first fruits of God, the firstborn of every creature, everything. So our tithing, our giving, ties into the spiritual side of things, the first fruits of our giving. God was a first fruit giver. Just thought I'd throw that in there. The firstborn of every creature. Why? Because he had a purpose. Because by him were all things created. When God does things, he always has a plan. How many think the devil, you know, sometimes we feel like the devil sneaks up on us, you know, catches us off guard. Do you think, do you think that's capable with God? You think the devil sneaks up on God? Who? No. No. The, the, the good thing about God is he has foreknowledge. Because when he wrote the book, when he wrote creation, he already had it spelled out. You know, some of you read, avid readers, when you read the book, you start out, it gets real suspenseful. Man, you almost have a, you know, have an earning to flip to the back part and see how it ends. God already had it all written out, already spelled out. Amen. And by him, all things, all things, somebody say all, are created. By him, they're created by him. You get this? Spirit, God, is allowing the spirit, Christ, that's to come in bodily form. Everything's created by Christ, by the person, by the redemption, by the blood, and for him. Everything. Sometimes it's hard for us to wrap our mind, but when we just make it simple and look at what God is really saying to us, it's just really very simple. By him and for him. He is before all things. Didn't say he was before spirit. He's before all things. Because nothing, nothing in creation was created except through the threading of what Jesus would be and come for. Think about that. Because sin... We know just by what little we know in the Word of God, sin has evolved over and over and over. How many know that? Sin's there. You know, we kind of get healed up a little, and then it get, sin's there. Sin's always here. Listen. You go to an AA meeting, you know, they, they teach you that you're always a recovering addict. You're just one drink away, right? One sip away. Well, can I tell you, can I, I don't want to depress you today, but can I tell you, you're recovering sinners. We're just recovering sinners. We're just one little sin, one little lie, one little deception, one, one little meanness away from falling right back into it. If we're not, come on, it's the truth. We have to understand, Jesus, but the difference is when we sin, we have an advocate. We have, amen, something that says, listen, inside us now that says, I need to repent. I need to get back on track. I need to ask God forgiveness. This, this, this sin was dealt with. This can't kill me because we know the wages of sin is death. The end results. So when we sin, if we ask forgiveness, we're in good shape because we're covered. We now have that understanding. 
Just like we try to teach those in recovery of any kind of substance. Amen. We have that teaching to know that when we sin, we have an advocate with God. We have an advocate, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen. Guess what? He paid the price for our sins. We go to him and say, Lord, forgive me. And he's what? Faithful and just to forgive. I'm still working on forgiveness. I just told Dad yesterday. I'm still working on forgiveness. Amen. We think we got it conquered until somebody, something rises up and they go, oh, that's, yeah, 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 I remember now. Sucker, I ain't, yeah. No, we do. We have to deal with it. And it's, it's an everyday, ongoing occurrence. It'll come back. Amen. That temptation, anybody ever smoke? My dad told me, you know, I know he smoked for years in my home. I've seen, you know, three, four packs of pell mell a day. Him and mom both together. I think that's why I never smoked a cigarette in my life. Uh, it just turned me against it. That old nasty smell and stuff. But one thing that he told me that when he tried to quit, and when he would quit, he could be at one end of the factory doing his job, and somebody light up. And it's almost like a drawing spirit. Right? And somebody, you know, you know, I've talked to others that, you know, it's not the smoking, it's not the the the, the habit, it's just the sensation of having something. You used to have something in there. Uh, you know, you just the sensation of what you do and what it does. Some, you know, after a meal, you get used to wanting a, a cigarette. So after a meal, it's kind of like, you know, a sweet, somebody with a sweet tooth. You got to have something sweet. You have to have something like that. That's what, that's what I've been told by different ones in different stages of, of their, you know, habit. It's things like that that we overcome. But the temptation is always there. And it's up to our fight. Understand what I'm saying? So when we sin, you know, when we, we fall back into that, you know, and try to, the way to recover is we just ask for, we know to ask for forgiveness. And see, I think that's a key point that really needs to be talked about a lot more in the church. Because I think people are doing things and they're not asking for forgiveness. Because to them... They're still, in, for whatever reason, they're convinced or just, not, or just don't want to because that's another issue when it comes to substance. You've got to want to give it up. You've got to see some ugliness in it. You've got to wake up one day and say, listen, I've got to change. I don't like this anymore. That's what gives you motivation and drive. It's the same principle. And so we have to deal with these things. But if we don't ask God to forgive us, hello, hello. When you think you're right, that's probably one of the worst shapes you can ever get in. Because the Bible says a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. In other words, you're up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down, unstable, unstable. Everything, everything, you know, blows into your mind, takes you there. I don't know about you, but you, I know you all think I'm so holy. Good answer. You don't think I don't have bad thoughts? This weekend? Absolutely. You don't think I don't have my past try to haunt me at times? Especially when you preach certain things 
and you walk off the platform and head home and the devil gets up. It happens. Every, everybody. And matter of fact, in prayer this week, I just told the Lord, I said, sometimes, Lord, I wish I'd never encountered some of the things I encountered. Sure, now I can say some of those things made me a better person today. I understand that. But sometimes I wish I'd never encountered some things because they still try to haunt me. Hello? All of us, all of us. But when we look at what he's saying to them, before Jesus was conceived in the Virgin Mary, the Immaculate Conception, he existed in the mind, the plan, and in the purpose of God. Only by being God did he have the authority to redeem us from sins. That's why when they looked at Jesus, all they could see is his flesh. Oh, you don't, you don't have that authority. You don't know who I am then. You didn't catch that. You don't know who I am then. <laughs> you don't know me. That's why we should know Christ. That's why I try to tell people, know the Lord. Come in and get a relationship with God. Don't look at all the things and you got to's and don't got to's and this and that. Don't look at, don't, I mean, because sometimes you can look at a counter and get overwhelmed by all the things that's lined up. I got to, well, look, Lord, every weekend for the next three months. We can be overwhelmed. We come in, we get a relationship with God. Fall in love with the Lord. Fall in love with the Word. Let the Spirit of God get in your life. Amen. Begin a prayer life. If there's one thing I believe the church really needs to get more involved in is having an individual prayer life, a secret place, a place that you can talk to God at home. I mean, just stop what you're doing and just say, Lord, I, I just feel like I got to go pray for a while. Come on, when you make those kind of sacrifices, God sees it. I'm not just talking about driving down the road and meditating. I'm not just, amen, you know, doing your housework and doing your job and think, you know, and just, I'm talking about taking, Lord, I'm taking some time. I'm getting down to pray because there's something, something I feel in my spirit. Somebody put this on Facebook here recently about prayer. Prayer should not be an, an emergency exit. I only pray when I need to, when I absolutely have to. How do you think God feels about that? How do you think God felt? I mean, because if you've ever read about Gethsemane, you ever, he had a chance. You know what? He could have walked away. But when he got down and prayed, you know what he did? He prayed through. And, and, and he broke, and he said, not my will, thy will be done. He knew what he was facing. I mean, he was a human being. He knew. He knew what suffering was ahead. He knew. I'm talking about from the human side of things. The Spirit of God in him, that's one thing. But from the human, he knew what he was facing. He knew what crucifixion was in the flesh. Come on, we, we claim to have the Holy Ghost. We should have that same type of relationship with God. We have a spirit in us, amen, that's trying to guide us. But our flesh, if, if we only operate by what we see and are motivated or drawn by what we see, guess what? We won't be drawn to no cross. We won't be carrying our own cross. We won't be carrying our own burdens. We want somebody to carry them for us. Come on. Some people just want the church to pray for them. They don't want to do the praying themselves. 
You've got to get a relationship with God. You've got to realize God was in the manger. Amen. It wasn't just the body of Jesus Christ. Amen. But it was the Spirit of God manifesting himself to us so that he has the authority to redeem sin. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. But if we walk in the light, now get this, put this together. If we walk in the light, how many knows what light does? A light allows you to see. A light has a guiding source. If we walk in the light as he is the light, that'll draw us toward him. Somebody get this today, instead of away from him. Light should be drawing us toward him. When we're going the opposite direction, amen, light's not drawing us. We're walking away consciously. If we walk in the light and he is, as he is the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That ought to put a smile on your face if we'll recognize it. When I'm drawn away, if I just look to the Lord, guess what? He'll guide us. He'll forgive us. He'll get us back where we need to be. I'm talking about, amen, he has the authority to forgive our sins. Acts chapter, Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Notice this. Because he purchased us, purchased us with his own blood. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. You know what our duty is? Our duty is to let people know. Come on, our duty is to let people know. To feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. What he gave up, he gave up willingly. Listen to me, church. What we give up, what we do, should be willingly. I take offense to somebody who says, well, sometimes the way you teach, the way you preach, you're forced. I ain't forcing nobody to do nothing. It's obvious. People live their life outside the church in a whole different way than what they're taught. Has been for years. Oh, ever since I've been pastoring, it's been that way. People do what they want to do. There's nothing forced about it. We have to understand it. Ain't nothing forced. The Spirit ain't going to make you. I mean, you're not going to be laying in bed at night, wake up in the morning, and, 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 and an invisible hand snatch you up, drag you over, and make you go do the right thing. When you're getting ready, when you're getting ready to, Rick, I'm going to tell you right now, when you're getting ready to give somebody a mouthful, the Holy Ghost ain't going to go, stop. We have to feel. We have to know. We have to be led by it. We have to let it guide. And it, it will put us in our place sometimes. <laughs> I seen where somebody posted, boy, if you, I'm proud of myself. If you, you could have seen what I was fixing to post. I was just fixing to tell somebody off. And the Holy Ghost said, don't do it. Think about it. The 
Holy Ghost should be doing what it does. He purchased, amen, he purchased us with his own blood. If Jesus was not the Jehovah of the Old Testament, get this now, he could not save us because Jehovah alone is our Savior. Last verse I'm going to show you, Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah, amen, chapter 45, verses 21, 22. I want you to see this. Tell ye, and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together who hath declared from the ancient time. Who hath told it to it from, the, from that time? Have not I the Lord? Who was it? it? Has it not been I the Lord? And there is no God else beside me. God's not a liar. A just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. Does God lie? Then what was Jesus Christ? He wasn't next to God. He was God, spirit, manifest. The name of the flesh, the body, it wasn't goat. It wasn't bullock. Because that's what the sacrifice, amen, the blood sacrifice of the Old Testament was the title of a goat or a bullock. It was Jesus Christ. And the angel comes and said, listen, Joseph, Mary, you don't even get the opportunity to name your baby. Look unto me and be ye what? Delivered, be ye saved. All the ends of the earth. Boy, when does that, when does those boundaries change? For I am God and there is There's no other Savior. There's no other spirit. Amen. Stand with me. I am God. The prophet Isaiah makes it very clear. God was Christ in the manger. God was. The body, the sacrifice, he said, you're going to call it Jesus. Jesus Christ. Why? Because it goes all through the Old Testament because it's always been the plan of God from the very beginning, from before the world was ever created. Amen. It's been God's plan. This is going to be the blood sacrifice. And it has to be. It's not of an animal. Now watch me. And I know I'm going to make some of you mad. I'm sorry to tell you. Fluffy, my cows, Arnold the pig, Mr. Ed don't have a soul. You and I do. Jesus came for our soul to deliver our souls. Jesus was the flesh of God to deliver us and redeem us. Thank God. Come on, would you raise your hands all over this place today? Thank the Lord. Just be thankful today for his spirit. Thankful for what we have today. Thank you, Jesus. God, our class today, we honor you, Lord. We glorify you, Lord. We thank you, Lord God, because you were the spirit, Lord God, from the beginning of creation, Lord God, until the babe in the manger, Lord. God, it's been your plan. It is your plan. God, we recognize that today, Lord God, and we honor you. We honor you in this time of year, Lord God, with our substance, Lord God. We honor you with our lives, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you, God, for the opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, take a few moments. We'll come back in here just a little bit. You need to go to the restroom, get a drink of water. We'll get the kids, amen, dismissed from the back, get in here, and then looking forward to a great service. Good to see Brother and Sister Smith.
Amen. Coming in this morning. Glad they had a safe journey. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.